while you're turning to Nehemiah chapter 2, I've asked the pastors to share this, not just so you know how busy they are, and I think you probably got a glimpse of that just from what they've shared, but for you to see that the things that we do on a weekly basis and the things that are planned for the year to come are all a part and in the context of our task to glorify God by fulfilling the Great Commission, by sharing the gospel, evangelizing, but then also teaching and instructing um, each of you to grow in Christ. We want you to be like Jesus Christ, and that's our ultimate goal and desire. And so that's, that's what they're doing. But I also want you to see how all these things work together and how each of these things, of the things they've shared, the events that are taking place, the ministries that are taking place, how much they require of, of each of us to have a part. None of these things happen by themselves. These pastors lead their various areas of ministry, but they don't do it alone. It requires uh, cooperation. It requires teamwork. That's what we're looking at in the book of Nehemiah. We're looking at the steps to spiritual success. Spiritual success, what we're striving for, what we're working for, is to do God's work, God's way, in God's time, by God's power, and for God's glory. Anything less than that is maybe nice, it may be good, it may accomplish something good, but in our church, and in our families, and in our lives, that's what we're seeking for, that's what we're striving for. We want to bring glory to God by doing what He's called us to do, and being what He's called us to be. And so as we work together toward that, we've seen it begins with a burden. Unless you have a burden and a desire to be what God wants you to be, it'll never happen. Unless you have a burden about your family, unless you have a burden for our church, unless you have a burden for the gospel, it will never happen. But that burden is shaped into a vision. You begin to see this is what it could look like. This is what could happen. This is the way. This is the path that it could take place. There's something blessed about having a vision and seeing that vision become a reality. Oh, I saw what this was, but there's a lot of work that takes place between the vision and the reality. And we saw that last week, that there has to be preparation. It requires preparation. There are steps that we must take. There are things that we must do to prepare ourselves for the work God's called us to. Dads, moms, children, students, gospel proclaimers, pastors, teachers, all of us, there's things we must do, but then God does a work of preparing us. Aren't you glad, and we could see this in the life of Nehemiah, aren't you glad that God begins his work of preparation long before he ever burdens our heart and gives us a vision for what he wants us to do? God was already preparing Nehemiah years before Nehemiah ever knew about the situation in Jerusalem. God was already placing him in close proximity to the king who would enable him with his funds and with his materials to send him back. So before Nehemiah ever knew he was going to need lumber, God had already connected him with the man who had all the lumber in the country. God is preparing you now for what he has for you in the future. And then we come to chapter, into chapter 2 and into chapter 3, and I want you to see the fourth step that's necessary, and that is cooperation. It takes working together. Many of the tasks that God will call us to, most of the tasks, require more than one person. And it takes cooperation. It takes unity of purpose. It takes us working in the same direction. Reminded the story of the two men that struggled with a box and a doorway, and they worked at it, and they struggled with it for about 30 minutes. And finally, one of the men said, 
we're never going to get this box inside this house. And the other man looked at him and he said, oh, inside the house? That went right over everybody's head. I see that. (laughs) One trying to get the box inside the house, one trying to get the box. If we're not working in the same direction. Have you ever been in a boat where one person wanted to go one direction and one person wanted to go the other direction? Several years ago, I was rafting down the Nantahala River, beautiful Nantahala River, western North Carolina. Have you all ever been to rafting down Nantahala? Okay, you know how exactly beautiful it is. And they told us when we got into the raft, they said, now when you get down to the end of the river, when you get ready to take out, you want to make sure and you want to stay over to the side. You don't want to get right in this particular spot. You can go to this side or you can go to that side, but don't go down the middle. We were coming down the river and I was just enjoying, I was just rowing away, just having a good time, enjoying the beauty. One guy in the boat decided he wanted to go to the right side. One wanted to go to the left. Guess which way we went? Right down the center. Guess what happened to us? We got stuck on a rock. Water began to pour over the side of the boat. One person got washed down the river. More water came over the side of the boat. Before it was over, the water was going completely over top of the raft on the rock. Second person went down the river. Third person went down the river and came up under a kayaker and flipped him over poor guy was hanging upside down under his kayak. We were killing people on that river. (laughs) Whole crowd of people up on the side of the bank videoing and laughing. There's probably still video footage out there somewhere that somebody's sitting at their house laughing, saying, look at those idiots out in the middle of the river. We finally did get dislodged. That's obvious since I'm here this morning. But when when you try to go different directions, isn't it a shame that the church, many churches... The church in general is more known by its division than it is about how the forward progress that it's making for the gospel. That happens, and I can guarantee you, you show me a church that's divided and a church that's split, and I will show you a church that has a division of purpose and unity. It is us working together for a common goal and a common purpose. What is it that binds us together? I want you to see four things in our text this morning, and then I want to share some things with you that we do as a church that God calls us to do as a church that require us to do it together. In verse 17, Nehemiah chapter 2, Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, what we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. As we look at this, their task was building a wall. Our task is the kingdom of God. It's the church of God in this world. It is doing God's work. It is fulfilling the Great Commission, proclaiming the gospel to every creature, and then baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things. All of that is the Great Commission. The Great Commission does not end when a person professes their faith in Christ. The Great Commission does not end when they go through the baptismal waters as two did this morning. And there's others that are are ready for that and headed in that direction. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. Salvation is not the end of our search for God. It is just the beginning of our search to know God. And so discipleship and gospel work takes place and continues, and that is the task that God has given to us. What does it look like for us to cooperate and to work together as a team, the church working together? Well, we see in in these verses, first of all, we have that common vision, that common purpose. 
Notice in verse 17 what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah said to them, you see the distress that you are in. Is that what your Bible says? No, that's not what it says. It says, you see the distress that we are in. Down at the end of the verse, he says, let's build up the wall so that we be no more of a reproach. They have a common purpose, a common task. Nehemiah does not say it's you and the rulers and then it's the people and it's me. He said it is us together. It is that unity of purpose. It is that oneness of purpose. And what needs to unite us is not the glory of man. And what needs to unite us is not the existence of Central Baptist Church. Let me tell you, it is a wonderful thing to desire for a church to flourish and to thrive. But the minute the existence of any church becomes primary in a church member's heart is the minute that they will turn that good thing into a God thing. And there are churches and ministries that have sacrificed morality and ethics and they're so concerned about we've got to keep this church existing. We've got to keep this ministry going. So we'll hide this under the, we'll put this under the rug. We'll hide this. We'll not tell this. We'll not deal with this problem because it might hinder the ministry. Let me tell you, God wants this church to exist. God wants this church to thrive. But our primary goal is not the continued existence of Central Baptist Church. Our primary goal is the glory of God and to fulfill His purpose. And so if that unites us, if that is what draws us together, then we are able to work together. What is it that, co- what is it that brings all the different ministries that our pastors have told us about and shared about? And what is it through the year ahead, all the things that we will do? They are centered on one purpose and one common vision. We are in this together. It's not one ministry and one person and one pastor. It is the church of the living God, one body with one head, Jesus Christ. Not only a common vision, but we also see in these verses there has to be a compelling passion for the task. In verse 18, down toward the end of the verse, they said, let us rise up and build. They were passionate about what God had called them to do. Their task was to build that wall. Our task to do the work of the church and be the church that God has called us to be. And we need to be passionate about that. Now, this is not just about external passion. I'm glad for people. There are some who are externally passionate. You can see it in their face and you can see it in their actions, but there's not a passion in their heart. And then there are some who are very outward. Their demeanor is very calm, but the passion in their heart for the gospel and for the work of God is burning there, and they have a passion for the Word of God. And some of the most outwardly calm people that I know are the most passionate about Jesus Christ and following Him that you would ever encounter. What I'm talking about is a burning passion on the inside that says, you know what? It's time to move from a burden and a vision. Let's get busy. Let us rise up and build. Let's get busy about the work that God has called us to. Let's do what God has called us to do in our church and in our families. And God, do this work in my life. I believe with all of my heart that the church would experience revival if every single member would say, God, I want to experience you in my heart. I want the Spirit of the living God to fall fresh on me. I want, to, I want your work in me. And I don't believe it would take every member of the church. I think it would just take enough to begin to experience that revival for God to begin to do the work in all of us. A passion. Are you passionate 
Do you care? Do you have a burden? Has that burden become a vision? And has it become a moving passion in your heart? Let's do this. Let's rise up and build. Let's accomplish this task. Are you passionate about your family? Parents, are you passionate about your children knowing Jesus Christ and following Him? Are you passionate about having a strong, godly marriage? Are you passionate about your loved ones that are lost? Do you care about them? Does it keep you up at night? Do you think about it? Do you pray about it? Do you work toward it? That's the passion. We have a compelling passion for the task. Let us rise up and build. But then notice when we work together, there's a spirit of mutual benefit. Verse 18, they strengthened their hands for this good work. It's not just they strengthened their own hands. They didn't just have a workout program. We're going to have to lift some bricks and some some wood here. So I'm going to go down to Planet Fitness and start getting buffed up and in shape. They strengthened their hands. They got ready for the work, but they also strengthened one another. Do you know that what you do encourages? You know, a faithful servant of God encourages others to be faithful servants of God. Those who are working, those who are following those who are passionate, those who have a single purpose, others begin to see it and they say, I can be that. I remember several years ago listening to a young lady that was involved in college ministry and she said that she sat in a camp years ago and she said, when I was a student and I saw people on the stage of my ethnicity and I saw people that looked like me and they were in positions of leadership and they were serving God and she said, I began to say in my heart, I could do that. And what was it that motivated her to serve God? It was seeing someone that she had a connection with that she could say, they're serving God. I can also serve God. That can be me. And when you're passionate about the calls of the gospel, and when you're passionate about sharing the gospel, and you're passionate about the work of God in His church, there are those who are watching, and they'll say, I can see that person. That could be me. Because when others are doing, it motivates It's easy to see sometimes after a song in a service, you'll hear one or two people in the congregation go. They get quieter and quieter. Why? Because they don't want to be the only people clapping. But if everybody starts clapping, boy, boy, everybody goes, they're enthusiastic about it. We understand this. The world understands this with, with comedy. They do a laugh track. They have a recording of people laughing. You watch your favorite sitcom and you hear people laughing. You think, oh, man, they're really loving that. No, that's recording of people laughing. Why do they do that? Because they know that if you hear somebody laughing, you're more likely to laugh. And if the world understands it about laughter and the world understands it about applause, we ought to understand that when we have a passion and a heart for the work of God and accomplishing God's work and a burden for our families and a burden for our walk with God, it is going to impact those around us. And they'll begin to see and they will strengthen their hands as well. We won't take the time to read through all of chapter 3. It seems like one of those tedious chapters in the Bible, and let's be honest and admit that there's some that are difficult to read through. But it lists and describes the different people who are working on the wall and the places that they work. And it doesn't mean as much to us because it's not our city, and the names don't mean as much to us because we're not familiar with them. But there's some important principles that are an important principle that we see. And that is that when we are working together, when we are cooperating as the church, we understand our part and our place in the body. Every single believer in this church has a part to play. 
in the body of Christ. Every single person. Now, it's important to understand that when it comes to working together, not only does working together, not only does a team accomplish more than an individual can, a team can do more than one, a group can do more than one, but a, an individual who is on a team will accomplish more than they would by themselves. There's something about working together with others that brings out more in us than we can have in our own strength and in our own. And that's what the work that takes place here in chapter 3. There's the truth that God uses all kinds of people. In this chapter, there's rulers, there's priests, there's men, there's women, there's skilled professionals and amateurs. Boy, I'm so thankful for the skilled professionals when it comes to some of the tasks. It comes to running electricity or running plumbing or anything that has to do with construction. I can come alongside and help. I can be a helpful amateur, but I'm thankful for skilled professionals who do that kind of work. And there are those that serve and they have great gifts, but there's others that are just doing what they can for God. Chapter 3 and verse 5 tells us there's some people that just won't work at all. Now, I know that there's not, that's not, this is not this crowd. I say this often. I think y'all think I'm picking on the 8 o'clock crowd, but there's probably some in the 8 o'clock crowd that don't do that. But all of y'all here, there's people here. But in verse 5, he said, look at this. Next unto them worked the, the Tekoites prepared, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. They couldn't be bothered to work. There are those who won't. But let me say this to those who have a heart to work, to those who will say, let us rise up and build. Let us be busy about the Father's business. Don't be hindered. Don't be distracted. Don't be aggravated at those who won't work. Just focus on the work that you're doing and who you're doing it for. This is a statistic that's often quoted. I've quoted it. You've probably heard it quoted that in the church, 20% do 80% of the work. And that may be so, but you know what? I don't care. I'm not worried about the 80%. I'm worried about doing 100% of what I can do for God and for His work. So I can get angry and I can get all upset and I can become bitter. And I know some people that are very busy in the work of God, but they're angry at everybody that's not working. And they're not close to God at all. They're the elder brother in the, in the story of the prodigal son. Some people will not work. There's four or five places in this chapter that tell us that some do more work than others. There are people who work diligently. He said they, they worked, they repaired their part of the wall, and they did another part. And then there's at least one guy that works harder than the others. Look in verse 20. He says, after him, Barak the son of Zabai earnestly repaired the other piece. If you've ever worked in any kind of place of work at all, you know there are those who work, and then there are those who work earnestly. And this man not only repaired and did all that he could, he did it with his whole heart. He did it earnestly. God, give us some earnest Christians who are earnest about their family, who are earnest about their personal walk with God, who are earnest about the work of God through His church. That's the part that we play you know, there's so many things that God tells us as a church to do that you cannot do by yourself. God calls us to worship. Oh, but pastor, I can worship by myself. Yes, we can worship by ourselves. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some 
is, but so much the more as you see that day approaching. The closer we get to the coming of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, if the church is a called out assembly, then I can never be the church. I personally, by myself, cannot be the church. I am a part, I am a member of the church, but I cannot be the church by myself. It is impossible to obey this command in Hebrews chapter 10 by myself. I can worship in solitude, but I cannot worship in every way that I am commanded in solitude. So we have to come together. You cannot worship as God fully commands us by yourself, and I can't either. God calls us to serve together. The Great Commission is a task that cannot be accomplished by an individual. We all play a part. Our service for God, every person in Ephesians 4 says, has a gift that God has given to us. He has given to the body. Paul uses a little bit of humor in his writings when he talks about the church as a body, and he talks about if the body were all one part, where would we be? It's not one person. The church is not one person, and one person cannot do it. You heard these pastors describe the work that they do, but I can assure you they cannot do what they do by themselves. It requires volunteers. It requires workers. Every event that's been described, and I could talk about so many. I could talk about our kid life yesterday. And we have leaders who lead that, Ryan and Mary, that lead that, and Pastor Jeremy that's a part of leading that, and they work together, but there are dozens of people who help make that possible and help serve together. And the work goes forward, not because of one person, but because of the body functioning together. Last week, the candy and cars with the hundreds that heard the gospel. Where did, how did that happen? It didn't happen because Pastor James and Pastor Jeremy got together and said, let's do this event. It happened because of dozens of people, even hundreds of people that worked together for that event to take place, to donate candy, to bring candy, to decorate cars, to dress up like nuts. To, I mean, literally, some of you, I think, were dressed up like nuts. I walked into the fellowship hall over there, and I said, if I didn't know where I was, I'd think I was walked into the lunchroom at this same asylum. I mean, it was like, that was some crazy stuff. But why do all of that, and the volunteers that helped with the traffic and with the gospel and the decorations and everything that was there, everyone had a part to play. And one person can't do that by themselves. Judgment House, just a few weeks ago, all of these things, every event that we do, even a service like this, do you think about all that it takes for every single Sunday for a service to happen? I mean, it's from our ushers to our choir to our sound guys to our tech guys, the videos, the cameras, the, the lights, the giving that keeps the lights on and the 375,000 air conditions that Pastor Darren talked about. All of those things are giving to the Lord. I love the principle of the widow's mites. There are some who give a lot and there are some who give a little. Some give all and all give some, but God's plan is a very gracious plan that the person who gives what they are able and does so out of a heart of grace and does so willingly and joyfully, their giving is of greater value than the monetary amount they put in the plate. We're looking toward our children's building, excited. Boy, I was walking through over there yesterday, see the tiles in, see it all come together. And let me tell you, that's accomplished because through our chest of Joash offerings and through other gifts, that is taking place and that is accomplished because there are some who give a lot. There are some large gifts that have been given. 
and there are some medium gifts that have been given, and there's a whole lot of small gifts that have been given, but it's all necessary. Everything that we do in our service for God, that God calls us to, even in our evangelism, our outreach, most of us here this morning, I would say probably the vast majority of us here, you got saved not because of one person, but because of many people. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gives the increase. A lot of seeds have been sown over these past couple of weeks with these events, but let me tell you, there are also seeds being sown by individuals. I have talked to people, it seemed like every week for the last three or four weeks, and they tell me about how they have personally shared the gospel with someone. Some have come to Christ. Others, it was just seeds being sown. But we want to sow as many seeds as we possibly can because the more seeds that are sown, the more harvest that will come in. And many gospel seeds are being sown and all of this, but it's God that gives the harvest. We get to be a part of it. You know, the great truth about a team, the great truth about working together for these visions is that, first of all, On a team, a team can accomplish that more. We can be a part in the Great Commission that we cannot be individually. There's probably very few of us that could plant a church or build a church building in the Dominican Republic like we did a year ago. But through everyone working together, we were able to do that. One person alone couldn't do it. But the second part of that truth of a team and cooperation is that every single individual matters. This church functions and worships and serves and gives and evangelizes, not on a select small group of people, but it happens because every single person has something to contribute to the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are a valuable part of the body of Christ. And you may say, well, pastor, I can't do this, or I can't do that, I assure you there's a part that you can play. Think of the four men that bring the man to Jesus in Mark chapter 2, one on each corner of the bed. Four men, one man, but one God-man. And these four bringing, each one has a corner. Let me tell you this morning that there's a corner for you to grab. There are souls that need to be saved in our community. There literally are thousands of children in our community. And if every church in our community was filled to capacity with these children and their families, there would still be hundreds and thousands more that need to be reached. So this is not about competition with other gospel-preaching churches. We wish them well. We want to see them filled and growing to capacity. This is about the harvest. This is about the many that need to know Christ as their Savior There are thousands of adults that have never heard the gospel, even in this part of the Bible belt. We need to proclaim the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. There's a corner for you to get a hold of. There's souls that need to be saved. There's lives that need to be changed. There's people who need to be taught. There's work that needs to be done. And every single one of us can be a corner carrier. Will Will you grab a corner Will you find some place that you can help carry the load? Every part, every person has a part. I heard a story recently that illustrates this, and I'll close with this. Two ladies that lived in the same 
care facility. Both, they had, they had quite a bit in common. Both were piano players, had been their whole lives. Both had a stroke. One was unable to use her left hand, but could still use her right hand. The other could not use her right hand, but could use her left hand. Both of them were in depression, were in low place, because they felt like one of the things that they enjoyed and still had, even in their, in their place of everything changing, moving to a facility, being away from family, one of the things they still had was being able to play the piano, but now because they were both incapacitated, they were unable to. And so the director of the facility got to thinking about it one day and praying about it, and so he came to him and he said, ladies, I've got an idea. And so they sat down to the piano, and the one played with her left hand, and the other played with her right hand, and over time, they began to learn to play together. They became close friends, and a close relationship was established, but they were able to play beautiful music together when one hand played with the other. It's a great illustration of the church. We're all broken. We're all flawed. But all of us have something that we can do. And by ourselves, we may not be much. And by ourselves, we may not accomplish what we think we would like to accomplish. But when we're brought together in one body, with one head, Jesus Christ, with one life in us, the Spirit of God, God is able to work through us in our flawed, broken ways to bring us together to accomplish the beautiful work that He has called us to. This morning, there may be somebody here who is a part already. You're working and you're serving. And you feel like what you do doesn't matter much. I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to reaffirm, I want to be a part. The part that I play, God, you can use it. Little is much when God is in it. He's the one that makes it big, not us. There may be somebody here this morning that you've held back because you think, well, there's nothing that I could do. Maybe there's somebody that you know that needs to be saved, and you've held back from sharing the gospel with them because you think, I'm not equipped, I'm not qualified, I wouldn't know what to say. God can work through you to be the person. Sometimes we pray for people to come and share the gospel with our loved one, and we're the person that God wants to use. I remember a young lady that came to me some years ago, and she said, Pastor, will you come to the hospital? My grandmother's in the hospital, and I want to, I'd like for you to share the gospel with her and ask her about her soul. And I said, have you asked her about her soul? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't speak to her about that. And so we got there, and by God's providence, I was not able to go in. Her grandmother had reached that point, and so they let her, let the granddaughter go in, and she was placed in a place where she had to be the one to ask her grandmother about her soul. And she witnessed to her grandmother. Her grandmother shared a wonderful testimony. But her granddaughter walked away. The granddaughter walked away, first of all, with a joyous assurance of where her grandmother was going when she did pass. But she also had the confidence to know that she could be the one to share the gospel. It didn't have to be the pastor. It didn't have to be an evangelist. It didn't have to be a missionary. God could work through her. And I want you to know this morning, you may be sitting back saying, there's no place for me to serve. There is a place. There is a task to be done. And God has given you everything that you need to do it. And he will work through you. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to us where the church works together. And I pray for those here this morning who maybe have grown weary and discouraged. And they've thought that their work didn't mean much. They thought that it was futile and empty. 
Lord, maybe it's serving in the parking lot, or maybe it's greeting, or maybe it's the security team, or maybe it's a Sunday school teacher, or maybe it's a choir member. Lord, they're discouraged. and Maybe it's a family member who's been faithfully sharing the gospel. Maybe it's a mom or a dad who's been doing the best they can in their family, and it just seems to be empty. Father, I pray that they will be encouraged this morning. They'll come to this altar, and they'll pour out their heart to you. Father, I pray for those maybe that have never served that will come this morning and say, God, by your grace, I'll grab my corner and I'll do what I can. If you'll show me and you'll burden me and you'll equip me, then I'll trust you that you can use me. But I just want to be used. Lord, use me however you want. Father, I pray that you'll speak to hearts, whatever the needs are, that your will will be done.